Hey everyone, this is Joseph Bosco, pastor of Highway Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. You know, all of us need the right kind of voices in our lives. Voices that inspire us to know the one who made us. Voices that awaken our divine destiny and reveal to us the goodness of God. Well, that's what this ministry is all about. So enjoy the message. Walking by your spirit. What in the world are we talking about? I didn't even know I had a spirit. I get that. What we're talking about is the real you making decisions in your daily life, not based on your body, not based on your mind, but based and motivated by and led by your spirit. Okay? We talked about this last week. This is a major change in our MO, in the way we operate. I didn't grow up. I never heard of this stuff. I didn't know this was even, this would have sounded like Alfred Hitchcock to me or something. I didn't know, I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. And I didn't know that we were spirits. I didn't know I had a spirit. I didn't know about spirit, soul, and body. I didn't learn any of that until I started reading the scriptures. And the scriptures teach us that there are three parts to who we are. That you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you're living in a body. Your spirit is the essence of you. It's who you are. Attached to your spirit are tools or equipment that God has given you, which is your mind, your will, your emotions. They are not who you are. They're just equipment that you have, okay? They're equipment that's been given to you to help you process things. But they are to be under the authority and the influence of your spirit, okay? And you're living in a physical body. There's the three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Okay, so your body and your soul are to be under, in subjection to, living uh, under the influence of your spirit. That's how we were originally created. When man rejected God and began to follow Satan, it got flipped. Man died. His spirit was separated from God. That's what spiritual death is. That's, it's a separation from God. When man separated himself from God, his spirit now became a slave to his soul and to his body. And many are living in that current state today. There are even believers who are not walking by their spirit because they haven't heard what you hear here at Highway. And their soul controls them or their body controls them. Okay, we want you to be free. That's when Jesus said, <laughs> you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. This is one of the key things he was talking about. You'll be able to live by your spirit. You won't be in bondage to anything else anymore. You know, you can't be addicted to anything if you'll walk by your spirit. can't. There can be no bondage in your life if you'll let your spirit lead. It's the soul is where all the bondage happens, the soul and the body. The body can become addicted to something just by, you know, habit or if the substance is strong. Your soul can become addicted to something just through emotions or previous experiences or, or dysfunction, for lack of a better term. But your spirit, if you'll let your spirit begin to lead and rise up, your soul and your body will fall into subjection to your spirit and you'll experience freedom, the real freedom that no one can ever take away from you. Walking freedom is, is part of possessing our possessions. 
Christ came that you would be free from every dark, binding, oppressing thing. Okay? Hallelujah. He came to, to turn it back around so that we could go from death to life. We could be born again. Our dead spirit could be reunited to God and become alive again. That's what being born again is. My dead spirit, I put my faith in Christ. When you put your faith in Christ, your dead spirit is made alive by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now your spirit has the power to control your soul and body. All right? But you do have to renew your mind. Okay? And that's, that's why hearing messages like you hear at Highway and from, from good fullness of the gospel, finished work of Christ, gospel of grace ministries, reading the scriptures, meditating in the promises of God is essential because it's, it's the, the, the battlefield is really not in your spirit. It's up here. <laughs> it's in the realm of the soul your emotions and your thinking. That's where the battle is. And that's why the devil attempts to bombard us with wrong ideas and wrong thoughts and wrong feelings. Because he knows that if we'll give in to those, we can, we can end up being trapped by them. All right? So it's not that your soul and body aren't important. They are important. But your spirit is where the power is. All right? Now, let's go to John 6, 63. We stopped here last week and got into some good things. We're going to see if we can keep going uh, this morning. John 6, 63. Now, this is the Lord Jesus speaking. And I say the Lord Jesus because that is who he is. He is the Lord. Now, if we had, uh, I remember back in the, mid-90s, I was performing for a, a very prestigious event over in, in uh, where was it, Normandy, on the beaches of Normandy. It was a very prestigious event, and heads of nations were there. The Queen of England was there, the President of France, the President of the United States, and I was there on the stage watching as these heads of nations came into the venue. And everybody knew who they were because, because they were the head. She was the queen. He was the president. Jesus is the Lord. It's who he is. When you begin to acknowledge him as the head, as who he is, you begin to understand and see things you couldn't understand before. That's why salvation comes by declaring Jesus as Lord. You've got to elevate him in your thinking above everyone and everything else. Will some people be offended if you do that? Yes. You may lose some friends, but boy, is it worth it. Let Jesus be the Lord of your thinking and your soul, your emotions. So the Lord Jesus is speaking. Remember, God has no theories. God's never studied anything. He has no hypotheses. He's never had to do any experiments. He's always known everything about everything. He's never had to read a book. He's never had to watch a documentary. He's never had to Google anything. We're just reminding ourselves of the one who made us. It's good to do this regularly. He's God. Everything he says is perfectly perfect. So we're about to read his words. 
So when I read his words, I, I purpose to quickly grab a hold of them and obey them because he's the Lord, right? I mean, I remember watching the Queen of England was wearing pink on that day. And I was here on the stage, and she was up there, and I remember watching. It's like she waved her hand. There was three people there ready to get whatever she needed. That's honor. That's recognizing a person, the, the position that person holds. When Jesus speaks, we're on it, right? He's the Lord of lords. He's the king of heaven and earth. It is the Spirit, says the Lord Jesus. Now, I emphasized again, uh, lowercase s here. Some translations will capitalize that. Why? Well, in the Greek, there's no capitalization. There's no uh, punctuation. It's a different language. So what the translators had to do is decide, is he talking about the Holy Spirit? Is he talking about the spirit of man? And oftentimes, the translators are kind of religious. So they see the word spirit, and they capitalize it. They say, well, he's talking about the spirit. It has to be the Holy Spirit. No, he's talking about your spirit. He's talking about the realm of the Spirit. Of course, the Holy Spirit gives life. But I want you to understand what he's saying here. He's saying your answer is not in the natural realm. It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The spirit realm is God's realm. Okay, it's his atmosphere. He's a spirit. His word is spirit. It will never be anything else. He will never change. We are the ones who adapt to him, right? We, can, we, we surrender to him and allow him to transform us. We're not looking to change him to meet our thinking, right? Wouldn't that be odd? We've all tried to do that, haven't we? I have, right? <laughs> Trying to make God see it like I see it, right? As if he does it already, right? God has the best for you. He has the best for you. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. He's talking about the makeup, the ingredients, the quality of his words. They're spirit words. Most of the words you hear are not. From the media, social media, those are flesh words. Okay? Where are you going to go to get pure spirit words? Jesus. Only place. And they are life. Now look at the New Testament in modern speech. Same verse, 63. It is the spirit which gives life. The flesh confers no benefit, whatever. If you'll look at all of the uh, self-improvement programs, what do they focus on? The flesh. (laughs) Right? New workout. Right? Yeah, knew that, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not knocking those things. I think the exercise is important, and you, you've got to find what works for you. But I'm telling you, the realm of the Spirit is where your victory is. It's where your freedom is. It's where your healing is. It's where your wholeness is. The flesh confers no benefit, whatever. That's all that man knows to do is to try harder in the flesh. Willpower is strong. God made these things. They're strong. The soul is strong. The body is strong. But compared to the spirit, weak. Okay? So you can do a lot by willpower, but there's going to be a sacrifice somewhere. Something's going to give way. You can't can't get to where you're called to be by willpower. It must come by the spirit. 
by walking by your spirit, okay? Your will will be involved, but the spirit's where the life is. The flesh confers no benefit, whatever. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and our life. Look at the Passion Translation. It says, that which is of the natural realm is of no help. This is kind of maybe like a little bit of a slap in the face almost. Wake me up. Wow. Okay, so we're, we're getting a whole new perspective here from Jesus, our Lord. That which is of the natural realm is of no help. The words I speak to you are spirit and are life, but there are still some of you who won't believe. This is what's amazing. All of us believe things. There is no human being on earth that does not have beliefs. I'm not saying they believe what God said, but we all believe. We actually live by our beliefs. But I want you to know it's so important. And just had a conversation with someone about this not too long ago. Talking, they're talking about, well, everyone believes something. It's true. I agree. But do you know that believing something doesn't make it true? You can, you can, I can introduce myself and say, hi, my name's Joseph Bosco. And you say, you know what? I believe your name is Engelbert Humperdinck. I said, no, it's, it's Joseph Bosco. I don't believe that. It's Engelbert Humperdinck. And you can go on believing that the rest of your life. It doesn't change the truth. Right? I'll, I, I'm not Engelbert Humperdinck. I'm Joseph Bosco. Right? So you can call me Engelbert. I won't respond. I won't even know you're calling me because it's not my name. You see, what we believe doesn't determine what is true. What we believe does determine how much truth we personally experience. Jesus is the name of God. If you don't call him, you're not going to get God. Just being real with you. This is not about man's opinions. This is not about belief systems and philosophies. This is about truth. Remember, truth is not a belief system. It's not a philosophy. Man's idea of Christianity, that's not truth. Jesus is truth. The truth is, truth is not an idea. It's a person. He's a person. His name is Jesus. So when I meet Jesus, I have to, to take him at his word and call him as he is if I want a response. Right? I can't just say, okay, you're Engelbert Humperdinck. Pardon me if you're an Engelbert Humperdinck fan, but I just pulled that name out of nowhere. No offense to Engelbert. Wasn't he a singer back in the day? Yeah, legendary guy, Vegas guy. Um, so Jesus is saying, I'm offering you total freedom. My words are total freedom, abundant life, but there are some of you who won't believe. So what is that about us that just chooses not to accept what Jesus says? Well, sometimes it's just ignorance. We just don't know. We haven't heard it before. Sometimes maybe we think that what we believe is going to help us more than what Jesus said. Right? We think we know better. Right? And I get that. You know, we think that because of our experience, you know, all the years we put into a certain field of study, that what Jesus said is nice, but I know better. 
I mean, I, I have some experience in this area. I've done this and I've accomplished that. But we don't know better. <laughs> Jesus is Lord, right? How are we doing? Are we okay? It's good to know Jesus as Lord. That when he speaks, I say, yes, sir. Yes. Yes, Lord. It's true. Your words are spirit in our life. Flesh profits nothing. This natural realm doesn't have anything for me. Speak to me and I will respond. Hallelujah. Love it. So believing the words of Jesus brings freedom. Not just for a day, but for your whole life. So to believe the words of Jesus is not just to believe that Jesus said them, <laughs> but to believe that they are the truth. That they are spirit and life. That they are what I need to win. To believe the words of Jesus is to realize that he's good and that he wants me to be free even more than I do. So I can, without hesitation, without reservation, I can immediately accept his words. I can immediately embrace them. I can fully act upon them. I can build my whole life on them because they're pure. There's no uh, wisdom of man contamination in there. The pure words of Jesus bring life. But you do have to practice guarding those words. Because the devil wants to twist them. Man's religion wants to distort them. Wants to block them. So you really have to become a, a person that's focused on what he said. Because he is the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, believing the words of Jesus and believing everything in your hard copy Bible is essential to walk by your spirit. This and walking by your spirit cannot be separated. I don't know everything in the Bible. I'm not implying that. You don't have to know everything in the Bible. I've read through the Bible several times from cover to cover, but I don't know everything in there. I never will. I'm going to keep studying. So I don't mean you have to know everything, but everything that is in here is spirit. Okay? And as I feed on this, I, my spirit is empowered to take the lead in my life. Okay? This is the only spirit food there is. Okay, God's word is spirit food. We all, the diet you need is the words of Jesus, spirit food. In fact, God said of his spirit words back in Proverbs 4, verse 20 through 23, said, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to all their whole body. Wow. That, I mean, that, that does it for me. I'm, okay, I'm, I'm going to do that, right? I'm going to do that. Hallelujah. So as you lift up, give, give reverence to what Jesus says. 
I'm not talking about religion. I mean, in my own heart, wherever I'm at, at Target or, or um, some restaurant somewhere, in my daily life, I have put Jesus in a special place on the throne of my thinking. I've given Jesus this royal seat in my thinking as the king. And he reigns over my thoughts. He reigns in my heart. He's on the throne of my heart. He's the king of my life. And I've chosen to make my whole life about knowing him. And I'm talking for every believer. I'm not talking, I say me, I'm just talking as if I'm anybody. What you're looking for is the royalty of Jesus in your life. In other words, the real you will be free and be empowered to live the life God designed you to live as you take the words of Jesus in your thinking and in your heart and give them their rightful place of authority. Hallelujah. As we do this, our spirit's empowered to lead the way, and as we renew our mind with Jesus' spirit words and act upon what is written, our spirit continues to reign. Our body and soul continue to be in subjection to our spirit. Now, I can take some of what Jesus said, some of what I think, and some of what so-and-so said, and walking in the spirit will never happen. You can create a different, you know, you can mix it all up and try a little of this and a little of that. But what I'm talking about is life abundantly to the full till it overflows. We want to take possession of what Christ came to give us. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Oh, this is good. Hallelujah. I hope you came ready to forsake everything today and follow Jesus. Because that's really what we're all about as God's sons and daughters. We realize anything else pales in comparison to intimacy with him. (laughs) Galatians 5, verse 25, I like this. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Now, again, they're capitalizing Spirit there. But it could go either way. I I think really we're talking about living by our recreated spirit. In other words, if the life, the resurrection life of Christ, we have this new spirit, let's let this new spirit lead the way. Now, you're united. Your spirit's one with the Holy Spirit. And and your Holy Spirit responds to the Holy Spirit perfectly. It does every time. You're united now. The nature of your new spirit is, is God's nature. Your spirit loves to walk with God. Your soul and body don't. You have to train them to do that, okay? So this is, this is, if we live by the Spirit, let's walk by the Spirit. The New Living Translation says, since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Oh, boy. God gets into the, the little secret places, doesn't he? Right? He just must want all of you or something. He must want like a, 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 a marriage, right? When I married Jennifer, the plan was not us to be together on Tuesday and Thursday and three hours on Saturday. No, we wanted to live 24-7 every day, 
every week of every month of every year for the rest of our lives. Guess what? God wants that with you. He's not happy with a Tuesday and a Thursday and a Saturday and a Sunday morning. He wants all of you, every last drop of you. <laughs> Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. I like that. So how do we do that? How do we follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives? You know, when I come down in the, in, in the morning, or I get up in the morning and, and I've gotten ready and I'm, I'm going to go down and have some breakfast, I'm just listening to the Spirit. Letting Him, you know, uh, paint the picture of my day. Or I'll do that even before I go to bed, you know, and, and, and just keep my, keep my focus on Christ and the Holy Spirit and my new spirit in me. And, and as I go, you know, I, I, I'll decide what I'm going to eat and I'm letting him lead me, you know. Should I have sourdough or raisin toast? You know, <laughs> whatever it is. You don't want to become legalistic with this. But there's an intimacy of walking with him. He will even guide you in your choices of little things. Not in a legalistic way, not in a fearful way, but in a fatherly way. Okay? So how do we do this? So we practice keeping our minds stayed on who Christ is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him 24-7. It's our, it's our new way of thinking now. We're never going back. Okay? But I've got so many other things to, to worry about. No you, no, you don't. Keep your mind stayed on who he is, what he's done for you, and who you are in him. And I'm telling you, when, when the time comes for those things you think you needed to worry about, when you need to give your attention to them, you'll know what to do. You'll be able to give all the time and attention to everything you need to give time and attention to by giving your attention to Him. He knows everything you need to do. And it could be that some of the things that you're tempted to worry about, you really don't even need to be involved with. He'll set you free from a lot of things. Sometimes we get involved with things because we're afraid of what other people think of us. That's a, that's a heavy burden to carry. It'll wear you out. You start getting involved in doing things because you want the approval of someone else. That's a heavy weight to carry. There are so many benefits to practicing keeping our attention on who he is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him. Now, let's say it this way. How do we, how do we follow the Spirit's leading in every area of our lives? Well, this is the rudder right here, this mouth. This mouth. My, my, your mouth, my mouth. So with our mouths, we say the same thing that God says. Yes. We just did that, I think, in our Bible study this past Wednesday night. That's what main difference between Caleb and the ten other spies. He said verbatim exactly what God said. The other spies didn't. If you know the, if you know the account of Caleb's life uh, back in uh, Numbers and Joshua, uh, where they went in to spy out the land, 
And Caleb came back and said just what God had said. Then 45 years later, he came to Joshua, and he said exactly verbatim what God had said. That reveals the heart life and the thought life of Caleb. What did he spend his time thinking on? The words of the Father, right? God's words. This is not a religious practice. This is not a religious tradition. This is where life is. This is where life is. I know you may not see any infomercials for this on YouTube, but this is the, this is the, the program you want to be on to be free. To say the same thing as God with your mouth, to think the same thing as God with your mind, and to believe the same thing as God with your heart. There it is. With our mouths, we say the same thing as God. With our mind, we think the same thing as God. With our heart, we believe the same thing as God. Say that again. New program to start today. With our mouth, we say the same thing as God says. With our mind, we think the same thoughts that God thinks. With our heart, we believe the same things that God believes. Now, that doesn't mean when I'm in a conversation with someone on a Tuesday afternoon at work, I'm quoting scriptures. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? If someone wants to talk about the penguins, that's Pittsburgh penguins, that is. I just talked to my brother a little while ago. He's in the Pittsburgh area. Or the Bruins, or I'll talk about that. I won't be quoting scripture. But, you know, if the conversation at work or wherever I'm at starts to head in an ungodly direction, I'm not going there. I may not say a scripture, I just won't participate. And maybe I'll try and say something to steer it back into a more positive direction. Or maybe I'll just say, okay, we'll see you all later, and I'll just go about my day. So when I'm talking about saying, using your mouth to say the same thing, your mind to think the same thing, your heart to believe the same thing, most of that is a private reality. I don't go around speaking scriptures to everyone at Walmart or Home Depot, okay? If the Lord leads me to, I will. What I'm talking about is your temple, what goes on inside of your mind, what comes out of your mouth, and what you believe in your heart. You can't force this on anybody else. You can't expect people you meet to even know what we're talking about. All right? This is for you today. Okay? Hallelujah. So with our mouths, we say the same thing as God. With our minds, we think the thoughts of God. With our hearts, we believe the Word of God. All right? We believe what He believes. Hallelujah. Now, what I just shared with you is, are the fundamentals of a vibrant relationship with God. If you're not doing those three things, you do not have a vibrant relationship with God. If you're not saying the same thing that He says with your mouth, in your temple, in your private life, if you're not thinking his thoughts after him, if you're not believing his word in your heart, then your relationship with God is lukewarm at best. And we know what, what Jesus said about lukewarm, right? I don't want to be lukewarm. Hallelujah. 
So this is, this is, we're getting into a fiery hot relationship. Are you ready to step in the hot tub with Jesus? Come on, fiery hot. Woo, it's good. Look at Colossians chapter 3. Verse 2. You see, as we practice these three, three things, saying what God says, thinking on his thoughts, believing his word, it, it increases our sensitivity to his voice and his leading in our lives. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 says, And set your minds and your affections, this is the Amplified, and keep them set on what is above the higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. We'll read that again. And set your minds and your affections and keep them set on what is above the higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. So look at the message translation of the same verse. Don't shuffle along eyes to the ground, in other words, on natural things, absorbed with the things that your senses can detect right in front of you. Look up, talking about the realm of the Spirit, and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from His perspective. Let's read that same verse again in the Passion Translation. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities. What do you feast with? Mouth. What do you wear your thoughts? Mind, right? With heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Wow whole different method of operation here, isn't it? Feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Most of the things in the natural realm are distractions. <laughs> Might as well realize it now. Can you imagine devoting your time, energy, and resources to distractions? What would happen if a professional athlete did that in a game? Or training for a game? They'd lose, wouldn't they? Right? Distractions are trying to suck energy out of you. We had an overabundance of distractions in the last three years in America. Overabundance. What was that all for? Well, the enemy's behind it. To suck your energy and time and resources. To get your mind on, what's going to happen next? I don't know. This is terrible. <gasps> Just to get you in a state of worry and, and anxiety. What does that do? It drains you. It wears you out. You end up spending money on things you don't need to spend money on. Time and, and resources on things you didn't need to spend time and resources on. Jesus is going to save you so much money. I'm telling you, following him will save you so much of everything. 
Fill your thoughts with heavenly realities. So when I get up in the morning, what should be in my thought life? I'm the healed of God. I'm strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. The resurrection life of Christ is flowing from my spirit into every part of my body. I have a sound mind. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are abounding in me. The fruit of my recreated spirit is blossoming and blooming and growing. I'm producing for the kingdom of God. As I'm thinking about the projects at work, God is my wisdom. Christ has been made wisdom unto me. He's the strength of my life. He's revealing to me the things I need to know to, to, to accomplish the tasks before me at home, at work, in every area of my life. The Holy Spirit is revealing to me the things I need to know to, to, to accomplish and, and complete all of these projects at work with God's excellence. So that when it's done, the people involved are going to say, man, this is like, Ten times better than anything we've ever seen. Hallelujah. These are the fundamentals. This is walking by the Spirit. It's your mouth, your mind, and your heart. Fully engaged with God. We say what He says. We think on His thoughts. And we believe what His his Word says in our heart. Now, here we go. We're going to get into some good stuff. Here comes the hot tub. Are you ready? How many people like hot tubs? Our kids love hot tubs. Every time we go on vacation, like, ooh, is there a hot tub? They love it. Since they were little, they've loved hot tubs. Hallelujah. Well, let's take a look at some, some fresh hot Jesus. Can we do that? Now, remember, Jesus uh, served two functions when he was on earth. The person Jesus that you read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. He was the Lamb of God our substitute, but he was also our example. In other words, he came as the Lamb of God to take upon the sin of the world, to go to the cross, to bear our sicknesses, our diseases, the curse of sin, so that we could be born again and become the righteousness of God and and be made whole, right? That was Jesus as the Lamb of God, and only he could do that. There was only one Lamb of God in all of time, and it was him, okay? Now, Jesus as our example is different. So Jesus came also as a man. He emptied himself of his glory. He had no halo over his head. He came, he actually was born in the womb of a virgin, conceived God's word, God's uh, sperm, if you will, and the egg in Mary were united and a divine life was created. Okay? But he was wrapped in human flesh. And he lived life as a man. Why did he do that? To demonstrate how good life is when you have an intimate relationship with the Father. He, as our example, he demonstrated to us what our relationship with the Father is to be like. Right? You rebuke storms. 
You speak to situations and circumstances. You, you, if you need money, you can pull it out of a fish's mouth. If there's not enough food, you can multiply it to feed thousands. He, he lived this life as a man, but it was a supernatural life because of his intimacy with the Father. And he modeled that for us because he wants us to do the same thing. Okay? You okay with that? It's true anyway, whether you believe it or not, but it is true. Let, let me sh- let's read some, some hot tub scriptures, all right? Philippians 2.5. Hallelujah. Have you ever stepped in some really hot water in a hot tub? And you didn't get out, but, man, it was hot. And you knew you had to get in, right? It's just, well, sometimes scriptures are like that. It's like, this is good, but it, it, it's, I need, I, oh, help me, Jesus, you know? Well, we're going to read some of those today, all right? Philippians 2.5 in the Amplified, talking about Jesus, says, Let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility. All right, so when you're reading through the Scriptures, yes, he was the Lamb of God. He was the only begotten Son of God. But also remember that he was our example. So in the areas in which he was our substitute, I can't do those things. I can't take the sins of the world upon myself. But in the areas in which he was our example, we can do those things. You have to discern between the two when you're reading through the Scriptures, okay? Now, let's, let's get some insight into this attitude and purpose and mind of Christ. All right? We don't want to theorize. We want to know for sure. What is the attitude and purpose and mind of Jesus? Because if we will we'll have that same attitude, we will walk as he walked. We will walk in the Spirit and possess the things that God has provided for us. Don't think that this is unreachable or far away. It's not. It's as natural as breathing. It's just that it's been foreign to us because of religious tradition. This is not some monumentous task now that we have to work on. It's just a shift in our thinking to realize that we are now the sons and daughters of God, that as Jesus is, so are we in this world, that we're new creations in Christ. So let's just, let's just imitate him, okay? So look in Psalm 40, verse 7 and 8. The attitude, purpose, and mind of Christ is now our attitude, purpose, and mind, right? Because we're his disciples. This is prophetic, this scripture, and it was repeated again in Hebrews because it's, it's Jesus talking. It says, Then I said, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book it is written of me. Look at verse 8. I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. The, the, the purpose, the attitude and mind of Christ. I delight to do God's will. His word is living in my heart. Let this same attitude, purpose, and mind be in you. And sometimes I feel like I'm trying to pry people out of religion into life with Christ with a crowbar. Because they're just like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Religious tradition is a trap. 
Well, listen, there are some wonderfully nice people who go to church regularly but aren't living the abundant life Christ came to give them. They go to church because they think it's a good thing to do and they want to, you know, be quote-unquote good Christians. But, you know, I just, I need Jesus. I need the living Christ leading me in my daily decisions. I need fresh, hot Holy Spirit. I need the fire of the Holy Ghost. I need God's destiny unfolding before me. I don't want to be a quote-unquote goody-two-shoe. I want to walk with God in my life. This is the only chance we get, folks. This is the only chance we have to really live by faith. Because when he comes again, everybody's going to see him. (laughs) This is a special time to really do this thing. Don't miss it. So here's the heart of God, heart of Jesus. I delight to do your will, O oh my God, and your, your laws within my heart. Now here's, let's go to Luke chapter 2. We're looking at the, the mind, the purpose, the attitude of Jesus because it's our attitude now. It's what we're all about. We're living to please the Father. We're living to do what pleases Him. That's what we get up in the morning for. That's what we spend our time, energy, and resources on. That's what we devote our talents to. Are you with me? Come on, help me, somebody. This is real life living with God. Okay, this is not a religious tradition. This is Jesus at age 12. Let this same attitude, purpose, and mind be in you. Jesus, age 12. His family had other plans. Okay, they they were not focused on the things of God. They had other plans. They left him behind, age 12. His family was focused on other things, and they left their son behind. Okay? Shows you where their attention was. They couldn't find him. They searched for three days, and he was in the same place every day. He was in church. They didn't even think to look there. Shows you where their attention is. Didn't even think to consider going to church to find him. See, see, people's actions reveal their thought life and their heart life. So when you're reading the scriptures, go deeper. Don't just, don't stay on the surface. What someone says, how someone acts, reveals what they believe and think on. So they couldn't, they, they, they left without their son, left him in the city, and then searched for him for three days and never once looked in church. That's where he was. They should have known that. Why? They should have known their son, Right? So they find him and scold them, and here's 12-year-old Jesus. Can you see 12-year-old Jesus? What he looked like? A 12-year-old boy. Just like another, any other 12-year-old boy. And what did he say to them? Why did you seek me? Why did you waste all that time? Oh, the time and energy and needless pain we bear. All because we have not put our attention on the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? I'm calling everyone in the highway family to to do this, to to change your entire method of operation in your life today. From this moment on, you will be about the father's business. I'm calling you. To begin living a whole different life if you're not living it already. Where now the very, the very fiber of your being is about pleasing Him. Not about what your kids, not about your parents, 
not about your, the industry you're in, but it's all about pleasing Him. Forget about everyone else right now. Let's just, let's just, let's be Jesus and you. Come on. Pretend no one else exists. From this moment on, every fiber of your being will be pointed towards Him. Where doing what pleases Him will now become the focus of your life. Let this same attitude and purpose in mind be in you. John chapter 2, verse 17. Now Jesus is actually an adult now. He's 30 years old, somewhere between 30 and 33. And he's actually begun his ministry. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's begun his ministry, and he comes into church. You'll notice Jesus was in church a lot. From the time he was little until the time he went to the cross. Why was he there? To know his father more. That's where the scriptures were read and proclaimed. That's why we come. Okay? Hallelujah. John chapter 2, verse 17. So he walks into church and he sees illegal activity going on in there. People uh, robbing one another, taking advantage of one another, crooks and thieves in the church. And he, he gets a whip and he starts cracking the whip and flipping over tables and he drives out the thieves out of God's house. And everyone must have been kind of like, what's wrong with this man? No one else did that. Everyone else tolerated it. And he grabbed a whip, and there was fire in his eyes, a passion that's in you if you'll unlock it. And look what he said. His disciples remembered that it was written as they watched Jesus doing this. This is what was prophesied about him. Zeal for your house will consume me. Let this same attitude and purpose and mind be in you. Are we just reading the Bible? That's all we're doing, aren't we? Do you know what this word zeal means? Pretty powerful. The Greek word zeelos. L-L-O-S, I don't know how to say it, zelos. It's a term that mimics the sound of water bubbling over from the heat. It comes from the, the derived from zeo, which means to boil. <laughs> Burning emotion. Inner feeling boiling over, boiling from heat. It literally means hot enough to boil, to burn in your spirit. Boiling anger, love, zeal for what is good or bad. Let this same mind and purpose and attitude be in you. How hot are you for God? It's just a choice. It's not, there's not, you say, well, that person's hot for God because they were born that way. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. This is for everybody. everybody. It, there's not just some special people that follow God. Some, it's this human being. If you're a human being, it's for you. You have passion inside of you. We express it differently. You know, everyone's different in their personalities. But all of us have this boiling passion available inside of us. It's just a matter of what you give it to. 
of what you choose to focus it towards. Jesus, as our example, is telling us to give our boiling passion to pleasing the Father. Fiery, hot zeal to please the Father. Zeal is a wonderful thing. Without knowledge, it can mess you up, right? So you, can get, you can go in a totally different direction. But zeal combined with the true knowledge of Christ will take you into your destiny. If you have just knowledge without zeal, you're not going to go very far as far as God's destiny is concerned. We were made to, to uh, be passionately engaged with the Father. To have the knowledge of his son in us and the passion of his son in us. To have the knowledge of Christ in us and the passion of Christ in us. The boiling, hot, fiery passion of Jesus. When it came to the things of God, the Father was going to be glorified in his life. Now, look at the Amplified John 2.17. Amplified translation. And his disciples remembered that it is written in the Holy Scriptures, zeal, the fervor of love for your house will eat me up. I will be consumed with jealousy for the honor of your house. Let this same attitude and mind and purpose be in you. I didn't see this in my family growing up. Never even knew this was an option. I saw passion for other things, but not for this. I will be consumed with jealousy for the honor of your house. The New Century Version says, When this happened, the followers remembered what was written in the Scriptures. My strong love for your temple completely controls me. You go to church every week. My strong love for your temple completely controls me. They have a midweek Bible study. My strong love for your temple completely controls me. But I've got responsibilities. I've got kids, and I've got your. My strong love for your temple completely controls me. I mean, I don't mind being a follower of Christ as long as I can do what I want with my time. (laughs) My strong love for your temple completely controls me. I will be consumed with jealousy for the honor of your house. We're in the hot tub now in case you haven't felt the heat. We're there. (laughs) Ouch. The Passion Translation says, that's when his disciples remember the scripture, I am consumed with a fiery passion to keep your house pure. Let this mind, attitude, and purpose be in you. I am consumed with a fiery passion to keep your house pure. You see, I didn't know any of this. I just wanted Jesus. I didn't even know there was such a thing as, a, as church. I didn't really understand what the body of Christ was. 
I just wanted Jesus more. And the more I read this book, I became consumed with a passion to, to, to see the pure words of Jesus preached from the pulpit. Not man's religious ideas and religious tradition and political correctness, but fresh, hot Jesus Christ. And it was hard to find. But I'm consumed with it. How about you? We're consumed with pure Jesus. <laughs> We're consumed with pure Jesus. It changes the way we live. It changes our future goals. It changes the, the, the relationships that we have. It, it affects every choice we make. This fiery passion for intimacy with the Father affects every area of our lives. We're consumed with this boiling passion for him. I'm just turning up the dial a little bit. Because some of you aren't boiling. You've been on sim. You're mildly warm. I want to see some bubbles. <laughs> Hallelujah. Fiery passion. I'm consumed with a fiery passion to keep your house pure. Let's finish with these scriptures. Last scripture, John chapter 8. Oh boy. All right, John 4.34. Let's go there. I'm sorry. Just for time's sake. John 4.34. See, this is the essence of walking with God. Fire. He's a consuming fire. He always has been and he always will be. And when you begin to follow him, you'll become a consuming fire. I love fire. Man, I, I like the, the aroma it gives. I like the, the way that it changes the atmosphere. I mean, where I grew up, we would have huge bonfires. You get a pile of wood 10 feet high out in the country, and you just light it up, man, and have a bonfire. You can cook food on it. It just creates this atmosphere that that's, that's, has expectation and fun. It's like, okay, yeah, now, we've, now something's happening, right? Our God is a consuming fire. Look what Jesus said. In John 4.34, I'm sorry, John 4.34, and we'll close. Remember, this is the same attitude. This is the one, this is our attitude now, right? This is our passion. This is our mind. This is our purpose. Jesus said to them, my food, now this is, he's, he's just ministered to the woman at the well, right? And his disciples come back and they realize he hasn't eaten for a while. And they want him to eat. They say, Master, eat something. They're not, not really quite sure what to say because they just witnessed him ministering to this woman, salvation. And Jesus says something very important. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Let that sink in for a little bit. My food, they were offering him physical food. He's saying there's a greater food that you need to eat in your life. What is that food? The passion of doing his will and accomplishing his work. 
The New Living Translation says this. Then Jesus explained, listen to this, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. My nourishment? I've never seen this offered as a diet option on YouTube. I've seen a lot of ads that pop up when I'm looking at things. But I've never seen this one. The Jesus diet. Usually if they say the Jesus diet, they try and go back to the Levit- Levitical diet. That wasn't his diet. This is his diet. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Nourishment is the, the, the substances that are necessary for growth, health, and good condition. That's what nourishment is. All of the things that you need that are necessary for you to grow, for you to be healthy, and for you to be in good condition. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God and accomplishing his work. Where is that in your factoring the next three to five years, your plans? Where is John 4.34 at? Is it even there? What if you forgot about the future? What if you said, forget future plans, forget my past, John 4.34 from here on out? You'd live the greatest life. You'd begin living your best life. You'd begin living your best life. You'd begin living the life you were called to live. You see, you can't really experience God until you give your whole self to God. And I felt that this Sunday would be a call for you to give your whole self to him. Father, thank you for this time together. Lord, we don't know anything about tomorrow. We don't have the foggiest idea about tomorrow. You're the only one that knows those things. But what we do know is who you are. And that you are worthy of all of us. You're worthy of every part of us. Lord, we put the past away. It's gone anyway. We we move the future out of our thinking. And we fix our attention on you. We will follow you. We will continue in the same mind, attitude, and purpose that Jesus modeled for us. Our nourishment comes from doing your will and accomplishing your work. So, Lord, all of us are are living in different, we're in different industries, different lines of work, All of us are in different situations, but you're with each of us in our own lives. We give our industries to you. We give our line of work to you. We give our future plans to you. And we say, Lord, your will be done in our lives just as it is in heaven. We choose to have boiling hot zeal for you fiery hot passion for you and for your house and for your things. 
because you're God. You're the one who created us. And we choose to be all about you. In your name we live. Amen. God is so good. We want to invite you to continue to grow in the knowledge of his goodness, who he is, what he's done for you, and who you are in him. Check out our websites at josephbosco.us and highwaychurch.us and begin living the abundant life he came to give you.